Well, Church, uh, I'm excited to introduce to you one of my uh, great friends, uh, Ian Ashby. He's a director and team leader at Confluence Churches, which is a uh, more than a network. Really, it's a it's just a, a missional family. You know, a lot of churches who are gathering for the same common purpose with the same vision to see churches planted, uh, regardless of denomination, regardless of you know some theological differences. Um, they, they partner with multiple churches in the Northeast. Uh, they're part of a greater uh, family of churches named New Frontiers. I think I believe it's over a thousand churches, and uh, their emphasis really is the Word of God, maintaining the supremacy, the beauty of Jesus in the Word of God, with the power of God, the Spirit flowing into the life of each believer and empowering us to live on mission. And, and so I've known Ian uh, for about three, four years. Uh, they were instrumental uh, just as prayer partners. Uh, Equipping-wise, uh, training some of us, uh, walking alongside other churches that are small, that are succeeding, uh, churches that are growing, churches that are dying, and getting to know uh, how do we do this together. So, um, you know, my prayer really would be that as the Lord leads us, we would partner with them, that we would see how we can further uh, God's kingdom together. Of course, I know that, you know, the Cross Fellowship and Guardwood, we're trying to build something together, get to know each other still. Uh, I realize that. But I, I also know that, that, that really the Lord uh, could use us uh, to impact the world. And I think Confluence is such a great, great uh, move of God, uh, not just in the world, but really in the Northeast, right in our backyard. So uh, you're going to hear Ian sharing a little bit about Confluence. Uh, maybe it might not be familiar to you, just like last week, Josh and Mandy. Um, but I pray it will it will touch you. It will you will hear some things of what God really is doing, uh, and, and it'll excite you about you know as the Lord leads a partnership uh, in the future. As you know, Garwood already partners with several missionaries. Um, but I think that when we look at the big picture, right? I think churches uh, do great change, do great things for God when they're together. And, and so um, I just I think I want to just commend him to you and. I'm excited for you to hear a little bit about them. And again, be praying about what that means for us as, as a church. And, you know, again, partnerships are great. Um, we can do more together than we can apart. And I'm sure you're going to hear Ian say that. So let me pray and bless us this morning. Thank you, Lord, for uh, this morning for Ian. I pray that his message uh, may touch us. Uh, the testimonies of what you're doing may be, may be powerful in our hearts. And that, Lord, you may see in the future, you know, for us as a church, God, how we can connect connect with a missional family um, that really is all about Jesus. It's all about seeing your kingdom be known uh, everywhere. Um, you know, how does it look like to come alongside and partner, just like we're partnering with a bunch of missionaries all over the world, but we can do it with more churches together. Uh, we ask you for wisdom, your help, your grace. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning and happy Pentecost Sunday to Garwood Church, Cross Fellowship and anyone else who may be listening. Uh, my name is Ian Ashby. I'm the senior pastor at New Frontiers Church in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Uh, I'm also the regional leader serving a number of confluence churches here in the Northeast. Last year, my colleague Sam Poe and I visited Garwood Church when Omar was sharing his vision for church planting. And we were really blessed to be able to pray with a number of you there. 
Uh, I just wanted to let you know, you know, we are still praying for you. Uh, and not just in our church, but actually uh, confluence leaders and churches right across the United States have been praying for you, that God would lead you and bless you in the plans that you are making. Uh, I'm aware that, you know, you're making plans for the two churches to uh, come together under Omar's leadership. And I've got to know Omar and Chrissy a little bit over the last few years. And I just want to say, you know, I... I guess I've seen their heart for the church. Uh, I've seen their a commitment to the gospel and to building community with New Testament values. Uh, I've heard the passion in their prayers. And so I really want to commend them to you. Um, and I continue to pray that uh, God would guide you all in these days. So today we celebrate Pentecost Sunday where we read in Acts chapter 2 how the Holy Spirit came upon those first disciples, filling them with God's presence and his power. It's really what birthed the church and launched her on her mission to the world. You know, when Jesus gave the command to those disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, it actually wasn't a new command. He was just reminding them of the great story that they were in, uh, the story of God's mission, of his plan for world redemption that he announced in advance to Abraham right back in Genesis 12 when he said, I will bless you and all the families of the earth are going to be blessed through you. Uh, listen to what Christopher writes, the theologian uh, wrote about that. He said this, when God set about his great project of world redemption in the wake of Genesis 12, he chose to do so not by whisking individuals off up to heaven, but by calling into an existence a community of blessing, starting with one man and his barren wife, and then miraculously transforming them into a large family within several generations, and then into the nation of Israel, and then through Christ into a multinational community of believers from every nation. And if you are a Christ follower today, then you are also part of this great story. But the thing is that, you know, the blessing of God's salvation is not just for me to enjoy and kind of keep to myself. Um, God didn't save us in order just to whisk us off up to heaven. Uh, it's so that we might be part of his new community on earth, right? A, a community of people who have been blessed to bless all the other peoples on the earth. You know, there's been a lot of talk in recent years about uh, missional church. But the truth is, there is no other kind of church. Right. I mean, talking about missional church is like talking about a female woman. Right. If it's not missional, it's not the church. Uh, it's forgotten the reason for its existence. I'm so glad that when I became a Christian, I was born into a church that was on mission, a community of people who wanted to be a blessing to others. And it really gave me a sense of purpose for my life. You know, I really had no purpose before them. It was the 1970s and early 80s. I was a punk. Uh, I went to art college where I, I was in a band called Hepatitis Risk. 
Yeah, I know. Um, we were playing pubs and clubs and there was fighting and drinking. I mean, I can remember I got arrested myself once for brawling. Uh, but, you know, God rescued me. Like Abraham, who was a moon-worshipping pagan, God called me out of that and put me into his new community where I exchanged my sad, aimless story for his great, purposeful story. And, and, and the thing about that uh, church community that I was in was that just a few years before, it was dying. It was just a, a small Baptist chapel with a handful of faithful believers, but they were praying, praying for God's blessing. And then one day, someone got filled with the Holy Spirit, just like on the day of Pentecost. And then others began to receive. And do you know what? That church came alive. People began sharing their faith, seeing others come to Christ. I mean, it grew and it grew. I can remember when I was baptized there uh, that there wasn't enough room to contain all the people. Uh, people were looking in through the windows. They ended up having to build a new meeting place and, in fact, planted out five other churches around. And uh, I ended up leading one of those churches. But you see, that was what was happening in the UK and in the United States at that time. It's like God was just pouring out his Holy Spirit. In the United States, it was called the Jesus Movement, and it gave birth to many, many new churches. In the UK, uh, one of the pastors who was having quite an influence uh, back then was a man called Terry Virgo, and he began gathering other pastors to pray. And it was at one of those prayer meetings that one of the pastors had a vision. It was a vision of this great herd of elephants stampeding through the jungle, through this impenetrable jungle. And their combined strength uh, made a way, made a path uh, where there wasn't one before. And they felt God saying to them, you can accomplish far more together than you can apart. They felt God was calling them to work together for mission. And so they called themselves New Frontiers. And it wasn't a denomination, uh, neither was it a network. It was more like a family, a family of churches who valued relationship and who recognized the gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, and who worked together to make disciples, uh, train leaders, start new churches and reach the nations. And it was a movement because uh, people would hear God's call and they would move. They would move uh, from their city or from their country. They'd be sent out by their church to start a new community elsewhere. Uh, a bit like myself, you know, 20 years ago, uh, hearing God's call to move to the United States with my wife, Emma, and our four children. Or like uh, Omar and Chrissia feeling called to move back to northern New Jersey to start a new community there. Um, and that's why, you know, uh, there are now what, over 2,000 New Frontiers churches in over 70 nations all around the world. And they all have different names. They're all serving different communities and in different cultures, but none of them are working in isolation. In fact, about 10 years ago, 
uh, new frontiers multiplied into a number of different apostolic teams, each one with its own group of churches and their own particular sphere of mission. So here uh, in the United States and in Mexico, we are called Confluence. Uh, we're still part of the New Frontiers family, but we are now uh, one of many branches in that family tree, uh, each one with its own name. And every one of those branches or groups of churches are working together to make disciples, train leaders, start new churches and reach the nations. Now, I know that may sound a little confusing, uh, but, you know, that's what the kingdom of God is like. It's not like an organization. It's more like a tree. In fact, didn't someone say that once? It's like a tree, right? It's organic. And uh, the seed from the tree gets, gets carried out by the wind of the Spirit, wherever it blows it. And what we see in the New Testament is the Holy Spirit is always carrying the seed of the gospel outwards, out into the community, out into the region, out into the nations. It's what Jesus said, wasn't it? In Acts 1 verse 8, you know, very last words uh, to his fledgling church, he said this. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It wasn't either or, it was both and, right? We want to reach people in our own cities, but it's so that they may join us in this great mission to reach all the unreached peoples towards the ends of the earth. It's not that one is more important than the other. You see, it's both and uh, because the mission of God is always moving in that direction to the ends of the earth. God is always wanting to lift our sights up to see the nations. And uh, we see that actually in Isaiah 49. Uh, listen to what it says there in verse 6. It's where God spoke to his people saying, It's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach where? To the ends of the earth. Right? If our vision is just for our own tribe or for our own people, then our vision is too small. Right? Because he's called us to reach the ends of the earth. Um, now, of course, for any one church, this may seem a daunting prospect. But there's the thing, you see, we can do so much more together. We can accomplish so much more together than we can apart. And that's really what we see in the New Testament, isn't it? We see uh, churches partnering with the Apostle Paul and his teams, you know, partnering together in God's apostolic mission. And when there was a famine in Judea, you know, we read of how the uh, Greek and Macedonian churches, they, they participated together in taking up this offering to bless their Jewish brothers and sisters. And what uh, an amazing testimony to the gospel that was. And we had the privilege of doing something very similar here recently, uh, where some of our wealthier 
churches, confluence churches here in New Hampshire and in Boston were able to send a gift of several thousand dollars uh, to some of our Spanish-speaking churches in Connecticut and Rhode Island, uh, where a number of our Hispanic brothers and sisters had lost their jobs uh, due to the pandemic. We were also able to send money to uh, Nepal, where we have about 40 churches that uh, we are partnering with. And uh, because many in their villages are suffering, where migrant workers have lost jobs. And so we were able to send a gift of money to the apostolic leader that we work with there so that they can feed their communities. Uh, you may be wondering, how on earth did we get involved with churches in Nepal? Um, yeah, that's a long story. That's a Holy Spirit story. But the fact is, we are partnering together on mission, right? They they feel a mission to, to reach some of the unreached tribes up in the mountains of Nepal. And these are oral learners. And that's something that we have gained some experience in, uh, taking the gospel to oral learners. Or rather, Sam Poe has gained some experience in that. Uh, but it's us working together, you see, sending Sam and teams of people to train their leaders in biblical story. And it's not just Sam's ministry, it's our ministry. Uh, it's us working together on mission. And if you want to find out more about that, you can go to Sam's website at uh, biblicalstorying.com. Now, why am I telling you all of this? because we would love for you to join with us on this mission, uh, to see yourselves as part of our Confluence family. You know, we already see you as being part of us because of our relationship with Omar and Chrissia. Uh, when Omar and Chrissia moved back to the Gateway region to start a new community there to bless the region, they didn't go alone. Right? We wanted them to know they had all of Confluence, the whole Confluence family of churches was behind them, uh, standing with them, praying for them and for all of you. Right? I, I know it's Omar and Chrissy's faith, uh, it's their hard work, it's their perseverance, but they're not in it alone. Right? And neither are you. We want you to know that we stand with you. All right? We are family. We are family. Right? And listen, if you are not part of a church family yet, uh, I, I know that Omar and Chrissia would love for you to join them. And in fact, you can get in touch by emailing omar at garwoodchurch.org. Now, let me just tell you a story, a quick story, about a young couple who got sent out from our Confluence family of churches about 10 years ago to be part of a church plant in Istanbul, Turkey. Uh, today, they are the main leaders there, uh, overseeing a church on, uh, I think, two sites now, with a third church being planned. Uh, they've seen quite a number of Turks come to faith, get baptized, been added to their community, and quite a few now actually coming through to leadership uh, to be able to lead that church. And it's just been amazing to hear the stories of how the Holy Spirit uh, has brought people to faith through signs and wonders, dreams and visions and so on. One story from early on when there were just a kind of small group there and where Dave and Anna were doing a lot of kind of leading the worship and preaching in rather imperfect Turkish. 
um, a, a lady came to their meeting uh, with her fiance who had just become a Christian and uh, this lady she was a very modern uh, intelligent woman Muslim background woman and uh, really didn't know what to expect from a church and she was not impressed uh, she, they attended the meeting and she said their Turkish is terrible. Uh, the songs they're singing sound really corny. I mean, she had no good thing to say about them. Uh, she was really, really critical. She said to her fiancé, I don't ever want to go back to that church again. Well, that night, as she slept, a man in white appeared to her in a dream. And he showed her his hands and on the palms of his hands she saw that he had deep wounds and then he reached out and he touched the palms of her hands and she felt this intense pain and when he took his hands away there were marks on her palms and then he said to her why are you mocking my church and at that point she woke up well she went back to the church and she told them her dream and she showed them her palms and there were still marks on them from the dream isn't that incredible but it gave them the opportunity to share the gospel with her and she continued going to that church and night after night for about two months Jesus appeared to her in her dreams and then uh, eventually she repented and she came to faith they baptized her and she's still walking with the Lord today it really is a, an amazing story isn't it and, and that's just one of many um, and that's what it's like you know when you join God on his mission uh, not that it's always easy you know that sometimes we have to go through hardships and persecution as they've seen uh, out in Turkey but it's it's outweighed you see by the joy of the harvest and and the point is that that they could never have seen that harvest without the support of all of our churches and by that I don't just mean financial support because actually the thing they say that they value the most uh, is our prayers it's our encouragement, our visits, our pastoral oversight. It's being part, you see, of this family uh, on mission. Uh, their harvest is our harvest too. And, you know, for me personally, to see these things happening is, is it's like a dream come true, literally. Uh, you know, when my wife Emma and I felt called to come to the United States, it was so unexpected. Uh, and out of the blue you know we had all kinds of questions as you can imagine you know like uh, how and uh, where and and why why the United States I mean there's multitudes of churches here why not somewhere like Turkey but I felt God God began to show me and and one of the things he showed me was in a vision it's like a daydream uh, it was when we were having uh, these early morning prayer meetings. I can remember every Thursday morning, our leadership team uh, in England, we were meeting to pray for the nations. We were praying for the different people that we had contact with uh, around the world. And I can remember we had a big map of the world on our office wall. And I can remember as people were praying, I was looking intensely at this map and I saw a vision 
of a bridge superimposed on it, a bridge stretching from the east coast of America over to the west coast of Africa, which I kind of felt represented the rest of the world, you know, all the other nations. And it was a golden bridge. And on it, there were people going to and fro, you know, back and forth. And I really felt God speak to me in that, that um, I was coming to America to be involved in building churches that would release resources to the nations. Um, you know, and that would be people, you know, prayer, uh, finance, aid and so on to bless the nations, uh, unlocking wealth for the nations uh, because it was a golden bridge. And uh, so that's why, you know, it's like a dream come true because uh, I'm already seeing those things begin to happen. But there was another aspect to that dream, because, as I said, there was uh, two way traffic on it as people were going to and fro. And I really felt God speak to me in that, that um, it was about the nations that he was bringing here. You know, all the different nationalities that we see represented in our cities here uh, that can be reached with the gospel and that our churches would be enriched by those nationalities, those different nations. And, and that's why I'm personally committed to building multi-ethnic, multicultural churches. Uh, not that that's an easy thing in places like rural New Hampshire. You know, we have to be that much more um, intentional about reaching and welcoming people from different cultures. But, you know, I really feel it's important. Uh, again, as Christopher Wright said in that, in that quote uh, earlier on, uh, where he said, you know, God is on a mission to create a multinational community of believers from every nation. Uh, or as Terry Virgo said, he wrote this in his book, Does the Future Have a Church? He says, the church as a reconciled multiracial humanity is a public demonstration of God's power, grace and manifold wisdom. Or as the theologian René Padilla wrote, he said, the impact that the early church made on non-Christians because of Christian brotherhood across natural barriers can hardly be overestimated. Right? A multiracial church is a prophetic demonstration of the power of the gospel to unite diverse people uh, as one new family on the earth. Right? I'll say that again. Right? A, a multiracial church is a prophetic demonstration of the gospel's power to unite diverse people as one new family on the earth. Uh, it's actually a picture of heaven when you think about it, isn't it? Because that's what we see depicted in the book of Revelation. We see this multitude of people from every nation, tribe and tongue, right? Uh, all different languages, but united in one song. That's why, you know, when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That's one of the things we're praying for. You see, a multi-racial, multi-ethnic church. Uh, because it, the church on earth is meant to be a foretaste of heaven, uh, right? Racially diverse churches look like heaven. And if people don't like that, they won't like heaven much, right? 
But I also believe that we are called to embrace racial diversity because uh, we're so much the richer because of it. Listen to Daniel Yang in Christianity Today. He said, God hasn't just sent the nations to be reached by the church in North America. God also sent the nations to enrich the church in North America. Amen to that. Right? And that's why I personally am very excited about the possibility of you all uh, joining with us, partnering with us in this mission, because your churches are already very multiracial, uh, which is great. You know, it's a reflection of your community. Uh, but it means, you see, that uh, we are enriched, right? We are all the richer for having you in our family. Right, because there's so much that we can learn from you. All right, I really hope that um, I've been able to give you just a taste of what confluence is all about. Uh, really, we're about God's great mission. Uh, the mission that he announced to Abraham uh, that was accomplished through the death and resurrection of Jesus, uh, that was activated through the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and which continues through history as we reach every nation and every tribe before Jesus returns. So let's partner together for this great mission. Will you join with me on that golden bridge to the nations? because we really can accomplish so much more together than we can apart. Well, it's been a great privilege uh, sharing with you all today. Uh, I really do hope I'll be able to see you all again in person sometime soon. Uh, but until then, God bless you all. Well, amen. Uh, when we think about the mission of God and what we've heard this month, I pray, has blessed those who have been able to connect. Uh, we all play a role in this. It is not just me or a couple of more people that have a heart for missions. Um, it is actually the role of the local church to put a fingerprint in the world of God's mission um, in, in any place they're called to do that in. And as, as we're hearing and as we heard from Ian and really everybody uh, that has shared with us. You've seen that they're just regular people wanting to do great things for God's kingdom. And you have that call. We have that calling. And uh, as we finish out our worship time, I just want to encourage you to sing out to the Lord the dreams that you have for serving Him. That as we, as we think about missions, and I think I said it uh, last week, that the ultimate end game, the ultimate, where this is all going, is the ultimate worship of Jesus. Uh, in this song, as we sing, it says, And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. Great is the Lord. Amen? And so, uh, as we sing, I want you to think about the great need of the gospel. Not just here, but...